Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The neighbor I live next to right now is a middle-aged woman with two small kids. Her name is Karen, but I've taken to calling her Crazy Karen for obvious reasons. Our interactions have been nothing short of bizarre. It all started innocently enough when I decided to spruce up the front of my house. I have a small stew, and I thought a few pansies and colorful pots would be a lovely addition. Little did I know that this simple act of gardening would set off a chain of events that would forever label her as Crazy Karen in my mind. One sunny afternoon, as I was tending to my pansies, I heard a commotion next door. Karen was frantically waving her arms, shouting, and pointing at my seemingly innocent pansy pots. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw her on the phone, talking to the police. She claimed I was growing opium poppies on my front stoop, of all things. Police arrived, surveyed my pansies, and promptly left, clearly perplexed by the absurdity of the situation. I had a good laugh at her expense that day, but it was only the beginning. A few weeks later, as I was about to pay the pizza delivery guy, he encountered a problem with his debit machine. He was fumbling with it for a minute or so when out of nowhere, 
Karen sprinted across her lawn, wild-eyed and frantic, screaming at the top of her lung. Sir, are you all right? Is this woman holding you hostage? Do you need help, sir? I was baffled, to say the least, and the pizza delivery guy was equally confused. I assured her that everything was fine, but she seemed genuinely convinced that I was in grave danger. It took a lot of effort to convince her that I wasn't in any trouble, and the poor pizza delivery guy was probably traumatized by the entire incident. After these two incidents, I couldn't help but despise Karen. It seemed like she was constantly on the lookout for something to be outraged about or to play the hero in a situation that didn't require her involvement. I started to avoid any interactions with her, whether it was on the front lawn or in the mailbox. It was as if I had been cast in my very own reality TV show, with Crazy Karen as the unpredictable co-star. In the end, I couldn't understand why she was so quick to jump to wild conclusions and make frantic calls to the authorities. I just wanted to live in peace and tend to my pansies in tranquility. As I looked at my flourishing flowers, I couldn't help but shake my head and think, well, at least my pansies aren't opium poppies. There was this old guy who lived with his wife and his dog a few doors away in a big house. He rarely left his home, and when he did, he only took his dog for a walk. He also talked very rarely and seemed to avoid other people, while his wife was somewhat more social. The couple lived on our street for a few years, and everything appeared to be fine. However, someday they divorced, and the lady moved away for reasons unknown. The old guy remained with the dog in his house, and a few years passed. There was never something suspicious, and, aside from his usual strange behavior, everything seemed pretty normal. One morning, that was approximately nine, seven years ago, I left as usual my house to catch the school bus. Our street is relatively quiet, and normally there isn't much stuff going on, but this morning was a bit different. There were a few neighbors on the street, and my parents said that there's something wrong with the old guy, which lived on the end of the street, but nothing specific was known. So I went to school and didn't thought much about it. As I returned and exited the bus at the bus stop, I saw that the whole street was cordoned off and evacuated. Police cars and officers were everywhere, and even a SWAT team was there. I had no idea what was going on. I met up with my parents and they explained to me that the old guy tried to commit self-kill and planned to take the whole street with him. He flooded his entire basement with gasoline and had an improvised bomb in his garden shed which was essentially a big pile of propane gas tanks tied together. A timer clock and a toaster served as the fuse mechanism for both the bomb and the basement. The whole thing was rigged to explode between 7 8 a.m. in the morning. A smaller version of this explosive was placed in the trash bin of the guys who lived right next to this maniac. Obviously, it was something personal. Before the old man triggered the bomb, he wrecked the entire interior of his house with an axe and then went to the garage with his poor dog, locked the gate, and turned his car engine on. He put his dog in the trunk and seated himself in the driver's seat, waiting to die from asphyxiation before he would be blown to pieces. Luckily, the plan didn't work out because a neighbor heard the car engine and became suspicious. He looked through the garage window and at first thought the man had a heart attack. So he broke the window and entered, only to see the man more or less conscious in his car. At first, he had no idea what was going on, but then he noticed the distinctive smell of gasoline. 
He broke the door to enter the house and discovered the mess the old guy created. The neighbor immediately called the cops and a bomb squad took care of the explosives just in time. Unfortunately, the dog suffocated in the trunk and was already dead when the neighbor arrived. The authorities arrested that guy and put him into a psychiatric ward after the court process. He will remain there until the end of his life. The estimated blast radius of the bomb would have been sufficient enough to destroy several houses and do severe damage to the surrounding area. I had a really creepy neighbor, probably early 40s male. I was 7th grade when I first met him. He was a very nice guy, but he just had something off about him. My mother is very patriotic. Our whole house was red, white, and blue inside. One day, walking home from school, he is sitting in his front lawn and tells me he's having a red, white, and blue sale in his backyard and I should check it out. I told him, sure, but I need to go get money first and walked off. My neighbor directly to the side of me was a big guy, mid-thirties, covered in prison tattoos, but had turned his life around, although very intimidating if you don't know him. Since my parents weren't home, I went to his house and told him. He walked over to that guy's house with me and he took him to the backyard. Sure enough, it had red, white, and blue items for sale. I still thought something was off. Two years later, he was arrested for attempting to get a child in his house. Edit for clarification. I knew not to go into this man's backyard, which is why I went to my neighbor instead, knowing he would protect me. I also wanted someone to know about it in case he tried to come to my house. Also, guy not guy. I just talked to prison tattoo guy on Facebook. Apparently after we were done over there, he called the cops to let them know clearly something strange was going on. He also told my parents, which makes sense now since they told me to walk home on the other side of the street. Hey all, I'm Jean Baptiste. Everyone calls me Jeeb. About two weeks ago, my parents moved me and my Lyle bro into a fancier home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dad got a new, better, paying job. That's the reason they gave us. I know they wanted to keep Sam out of trouble. He's a good kid. He's just got a lot of imagination. I tell him he should make comics. Anyway, we were only there for a day or two when Sam starts to notice our new next door neighbor. I'm like, what's the big deal? Because he's telling me I have to come see the neighbor quick, quick before she goes in. So I rush over to his bedroom window because it looks down on the neighbor's house. I'm thinking I'm going to see a weirdo with a stuffed cat or something. But it's just this older woman, maybe about 40. She looks pretty in like a Barbie doll kind of way. It's weird though because it's really raining out and she just walking to the road to check her mailbox. You see the titties on that? Sam asks. I slap the back of his head. Dad taught us to treat women with respect. He knows better. He's right, though. Damn, she's stacked. And with her shirt getting all wet, we're seeing a lot more than we should. Bet you wish you picked this room, Sam said. I have to admit I was a little jealous. The neighbor on my side's a fat guy who likes mowing shirtless. How's that fair? So I said to him, I think we'll be spending a lot of quality time together. And that's how and why we started paying so much attention to the neighbor. Sam swiped Dad's old army surplus binoculars. I had a telescope from when I was 12 and thought I'd be able to see other planets and stuff. We started turning out the lights at night and hoped for a show. Day 6. 
It didn't take long before we noticed some odd things about her. Like, she never sleeps. Her lights stay on all night. We see her walking around, still in the same shirt, like she didn't change it in days. I don't care if she don't sleep, Sam said. Why the hell won't she get naked? Maybe she's a meth head, I said. That's a big thing in Oklahoma. She didn't look like a meth head. How'd you know? The internet. We moved in six days ago. That night was the first Saturday after we moved in. That's when we saw the first really strange thing happen. We're peeking out the window like usual. Nothing's happened in a while, and we're getting tired. Screw this, I say. She's never going to show the goods. Jeb, Sam said. No, I'm going to bed. I can see tits on the internet all I want. Sam grabbed my hand. Not my arm, my hand. He hadn't done that since he was like five. Jabe, look, he said with a swallow. He was pointing to her backyard. I looked where he was pointing. He wasn't sure what I was looking at at first. It's 2 a.m. There isn't really any light in the backyard except moonlight. And she has a big tree back there. So I used the telescope. I'm a bit slow with it. Once I get it pointed and adjusted, I see. The white shape comes into focus, and I'm looking at a face, her face. She's in her backyard, peeking out from behind that tree, and she's looking right up at our window. Our lights are off, so she shouldn't be able to see us. Right, but she does. You know how you just know. We knew. I jump back from the window with a gasp. Oh crap, I say. How long she been there? He just shakes his head. We should be more embarrassed than scared. I'm a little of both, but Sam's just scared. That's weird, man, he says. That's weird. I tell him not to worry. She's probably just turning the tables on us. We were kind of invading her privacy, after all, so that'll teach us. Then he asks, you think she's still there? I don't want to look. It's just too freaky. So I take out my phone, turn on the camera, and take a video for about 30 seconds. I just hold it up to the window and wiggle it around a little. Then I pull the phone back in. When we play back the video, we're relieved. Just the tree. No white face watching us from behind it. My wiggling somehow got the whole backyard. She ain't there. Sam sighed and threw himself back on his bed. I decided to watch the video over again, just to be sure. The backyard really was clear. It's just that wasn't all. When I was pulling the camera back, it briefly pointed down, directly below our window. And there she was, staring right up, right there, close enough she could probably hear us talking. I shouted a curse word and dropped my phone. Sam sat right up. I showed him, just to be sure I wasn't imagining things. He saw it too. We slept in my room that night and decided to tell Dad what happened in the morning. We knew it wouldn't go well, but at this point Dad was less scary than the busty neighbor. Sunday. Dad was pissed all right. He made us march over to her front door and apologize for peeping. Probably the most awkward thing we ever had to do. Get this. She answers the door in this loose, lacy, lingery deal that showed us everything. I looked behind me to see if anyone else was witnessing this, but nope. When I got control of my jaw again, I say I'm sorry we watched her. We were both hanging our heads in shame. When I looked up to see if she was mad or if she was trying to seduce us or something, it was weird. Like, 
Have you ever seen someone with no expression at all? It's like she was hypnotized. You should come in, she said. She didn't seem to feel it. She just said it. Sam looked to me. I think he was ready to take her up on the offer. I can't say I blame him. She looked real good. But I told her we had to be getting back. Dad's waiting. She closed the door without a word. And Dad asked when we got back. I told him she didn't seem mad. And I told him what she was wearing. I felt if we were going to be in trouble, he should know she's teasing us too. I can tell he doesn't believe me. He says he's going over there to apologize for us. If I find your lying, you'll be wearing your balls for earrings. Hear me. We stood in the kitchen waiting for him. When he got back, his face looked slack and pale. He didn't seem mad at us anymore. He just looked like he'd seen something awful. Sam elbowed me, as if I didn't notice myself. Sit down, he told us. So we did, and we all started eating breakfast. Mom was still asleep, by the way. She always stays up late, catching up the DVR on Saturday nights. Don't bother with that woman ever again, he said between bites. Okay, we agreed. We didn't dare question him when he was like this. I mean, I've never seen him like this before, and that's what was so scary about it. We kept eating our breakfast in silence, until he asked, I ever tell you about Red Finney? He mentioned the name before. We knew Red was a kid in his neighborhood when Dad was growing up, somewhere in Baltimore, but we didn't know anything really about him. We asked before, but he always changes the subject. So we shook our heads. Red was stupid. You hear me? Stupid kid. Always poking his nose where it had no business. He took a bite of his scrambled eggs. There was this big dark house on our street. Three stories. No other house in the neighborhood like that. It was there before the neighborhood got built around it. Real old family just held on to that land. We had all stories about this house. We'd all look when the lights came on at night. Never see anyone come or go all day. One time we're watching, and we hear this scream. We know it's from that house. And it didn't sound good. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. From that day, Red got the notion in his head he was going to get in there and see what was going on in that house. What does that make Red? Dad asked. Stupid, we both said. Anyway, then one day Red was gone. You thought this was going to be a heist? We go in there and find some ancient jewels and a ghost and solve a murder. If Red did what he said he was going to do, he didn't tell us. And we didn't want anything to do with it. Breaking and entering was not a part of how. We wanted to start life. He just went missing. Never found him. We thought all kinds. Maybe he ran away. Maybe he killed himself somewhere. Dad, I said. You mentioned house for a reason? Oh yeah, that was another one. We thought maybe he went in there and maybe just never got out. But here's the thing. He paused to take a long drink of coffee, like he was steadying himself or something. When Red went missing, that came up. And we met the owner of the house. 
Dad finished off his breakfast after that, took his plate to the kitchen sink to clean it off, stuck it in the dishwasher. Me and Sam looked at each other. Well, what I'm saying is, he said, that woman next door was on the same street as me when I was a boy. Damn, Sam said. She aged better than you. You're not listening. Too busy wise. Cracking. What I'm saying is that woman next door was on the same street as me, right? When I was a boy, she was a grown woman, looked exactly the same. You don't forget a woman looks like that. What? Sam asked. Dad, that's not possible, I said. It's not for me to say what's possible or not. I don't need to know why or how. I'm just telling you like it is. And you're not to bother with that woman. Now let's get to church. I don't think Sam and I had ever been so quiet and well-behaved in church. I don't know what was going on in his head. Probably something like what was going on in mine. Who is that woman? Is she related to the woman Dad grew up near? That's one hell of a coincidence. Not impossible. I mean, you hear of long-lost siblings working together in the same Taco Bell without knowing it. So who knows? It's just, when you add her strange behavior to it, it's just a big UT. Since then, we've only casually looked out the window. She hasn't been in the backyard staring at us anymore. And we've kept our word to Dad and left her alone. This other part of me just can't get her out of my head. I don't think Sam can either. He slept in my room twice since then. I think she's watching, he said. I asked if he looked, and he says not a chance. That's where it's at. I'll let you know if anything else weird happens. Hopefully not, because we're stuck in this house for a long time. When I was seven, my innocent and seemingly quiet world was turned upside down by an incident that still leaves me incredulous to this day. It all started with an ordinary day, a bright and sunny afternoon, where the only thing bothering me was an insatiable curiosity about the world. Little did I know that the source of my curiosity would soon become the epicenter of chaos in our tranquil suburban neighborhood. We had a pet, and it wasn't the kind you'd expect to be a source of controversy. It was a rabbit, a fluffy and docile creature that had become a cherished member of our family. We kept it in a hutch in our backyard, and I would spend hours sitting with it, feeding it carrots, and listening to its soft, comforting nibbles. One afternoon, as I was playing in the backyard, a sharp, furious pounding on our front door echoed through the house. I rushed inside to find my mom, her face etched with disbelief and alarm, answering the door. A wave of dread washed over me as I followed her to the entrance where an angry neighbor stood red-faced and trembling with rage. It was Mr. Johnson, our next-door neighbor. His eyes were wild, his voice a thunderous roar, and he seemed on the brink of losing control. He was there to confront my dad, or so it appeared. Your pet is driving me insane, he yelled, his words dripping with venom. I can't take it anymore. I'll kill that damn animal if it doesn't shut up. My heart raced as I realized that he was talking about our rabbit, our beloved harmless rabbit. My dad, who had been working in his home office, emerged confused and concerned about the commotion. He tried to reason with Mr. Johnson, explaining that our rabbit couldn't possibly be making enough noise to provoke such a violent outburst. But Mr. Johnson wasn't having it. 
He was convinced that our fluffy friend was responsible for his misery. He continued his tirade, threatening to take matters into his own hands if we didn't do something about it. It was a surreal and terrifying moment for a seven-year-old to witness, as a grown man was willing to resort to violence over the noise of a rabbit. Eventually, after what felt like an eternity, my dad managed to convince Mr. Johnson to give us some time to address the issue. We promised to double-check the Hutch's security and ensure that our rabbit wouldn't escape and roam the yard, which was, in Mr. Johnson's eyes, the root of the problem. As Mr. Johnson stormed off, still seething with anger, I couldn't fathom the irrationality of it all. How could a peaceful, harmless rabbit elicit such a violent reaction from a grown man? So I, 25 female, have a husky that I walk around my quiet neighborhood and brush outside for obvious reasons. Yesterday, around 3 p.m., I'm standing in my front driveway brushing my dog when I turn around to see a complete stranger, grown man, standing behind me. He begins by asking me if he can say hi to my dog because he's seen me around a lot. And already I'm hesitant, but I allow it and at this time I notice he's on FaceTime with his phone pointing at me. Then he tells me he just moved here from South Africa and bought the house at the end of the road. That's been abandoned for over a year now and was never posted for sale. He starts asking me if I'm 16 because he likes 16-year-olds following up with, are you alone right now? Is this your house? Is this your car? Do you live alone? Are you around often? Etc. I politely say I'm not willing to answer questions like that and tell him he should leave. He walks into the woods, across the street, coming back 15 minutes later, attempting to invite himself into my house and asking more questions, this time along the lines of, do you lock your doors? And are you alone at nighttime, getting upset with me for saying I do not want him on my property and I would be calling our cop neighbor to come outside if he did not leave me alone? He stood in the street, watching me walk into the house and lock up before walking away back to the abandoned house. Now I'm just left thinking if I am overreacting or if being totally creeped out is the correct response. Update, I've put in a report and spoken to a couple neighbors, but none of them have seen him around, which I guess is good. And thank you to everyone for the concerns and advice. Growing up, our quiet suburban neighborhood had its share of idiosyncrasies. One of the most peculiar aspects was our next-door neighbor's adult son, who lived at home. He was a mystery to us, a man of few words, and his presence was a source of both fascination and unease. For as long as I could remember, he would often be seen in their backyard, standing at the edge of the property, watching us intently whenever we played outside. He never spoke to us, never waved back, just stared with an unrelenting, unwavering gaze. We would giggle and wave trying to engage with him, but it was as if we were invisible. This unnerving ritual continued for years, and we grew accustomed to his silent, eerie surveillance. It was unsettling, but we had been told that he was mentally disabled, and so we chalked it up to a lack of social awareness. Our parents assured us that he meant no harm, and we did our best to accept his presence as part of the neighborhood's quirks. But one fateful day, our perception of this peculiar neighbor would be shattered. We returned home from school to a scene of chaos, 
Police cars lined the street and officers were swarming our neighbor's house. Panic and confusion gripped our parents' faces as they tried to shield us from the unfolding drama. It didn't take long for the truth to emerge. Our silent neighbor had attempted to abduct two other children in the neighborhood. The news sent shockwaves through our quiet community. The reality of the situation was difficult to process. The man we had silently tolerated even sympathized with due to his supposed mental disability had committed a heinous act. The revelation left us in a state of disbelief. We couldn't fathom how someone who had observed us for so long, often from his backyard, could harbor such dark intentions. The neighborhood transformed overnight from a place where kids played freely in the open to one gripped by fear and caution. Our parents, along with the entire community, became vigilant. We were no longer allowed to play outside unattended, our once carefree activities replaced by a constant sense of watchfulness. The innocence of our childhood had been irrevocably altered replaced by the unsettling realization that danger could lurk even within our seemingly safe neighborhood. The incident served as a stark reminder that appearances could be deceiving and the most unexpected individuals could harbor sinister motives. Our once friendly neighbor, who had merely stared at us from afar, became a haunting presence in our memories, a testament to the fragility of trust and the unpredictability of the world we lived in. My wife and I's downstairs neighbor, Rob. One time Rob mentioned to my wife how he can hear us all the time with a creepy-ass grin on his face. Another time she was painting on our porch and dropped a paintbrush, so she picked it up and saw through the slits of the porch his eyes staring up at her. We have no idea how long he was there for. To add to it, he's married as well. When I was a kid, we had a neighbor next door who hated when I skateboarded by his house. On the sidewalk, because he was a douche, he would scream at my mom telling her how I need to pick up my skateboard off the public sidewalk and walk by his house because it annoyed him. I was nine, nine years old. So when we were moving, on the last night I tied this guy's garden hose to his mailbox. I tied the other end to his car's rear bumper. At 7.30 in the morning, I heard this odd engine reverend then some sort of crunch of wood, then glass shatter. Apparently, instead of just ripping his mailbox from his front yard, the garden hose acted like a bungee and pulled the box out and flung it at his rear car window. Glass everywhere. The police showed up. And when they questioned me, I blinked. Mm-hmm. I am nine years old. I am child. It must have been the bad kids. Thank you, Mr. Prober. Don't F with the Powell Peralta kid. At one point in time, the house next door became an unlicensed, I'm sure of it, assisted living facility for mentally challenged teens and adults. The nurses or workers didn't do a very good job keeping an eye on them. There were multiple times when one guy would jump the wood privacy fence and creep around our backyard or just be running through the street at two in the morning, screaming. I almost hit him with my car once backing out of my driveway. Felt bad for everyone, but it was disturbing if he didn't know he was there and all of a sudden caught a glimmer of light from his eyes when looking outside from the patio sliding door. 
we were very worried he might accidentally drown in our pool. Did everything to make sure the doors were secure for the screened-in patio. One win had my fair share of neighbors over the years, but none quite as peculiar and unsettling as the one who lived right next door. There were not one but two distinct incidents that firmly earned her the title of creepy neighbor. The first peculiar encounter occurred when she decided to rescue my cat. Now, I should mention that my cat was perfectly fine, and it was a sunny day outside. But my neighbor, for reasons only she understood, deemed it necessary to save my feline companion because it looked cold. She stealthily snatched up my unsuspecting cat and spirited it away to her house without a word to me or my family. For two long days, I searched frantically for my missing cat. Little did I know that the culprit behind its disappearance was the one living next door. It wasn't until after the cat's unauthorized two-day vacation in her home that she finally decided to inform us. I couldn't fathom her audacity in taking someone else's pet without their consent and then keeping it a secret for so long, all in the name of misguided good intention. The second unsettling incident involved my then fiancé, now my wife. My neighbor approached her one day, wearing a sinister smile, and casually inquired about the different girls that I had allegedly been bringing over. This was baffling because, in reality, there had been no other women aside from my loving fiancé. It was a bizarre and unwarranted accusation that left my wife feeling uncomfortable and me astounded by her audacity. And if these two incidents weren't enough to cement her reputation as the neighborhood oddity, there was the matter of her early morning yard work. She had a peculiar habit of trimming her bushes at 5.30 a.m., and for some inexplicable reason, she decided that doing so in her bra was entirely acceptable. It was an image that I could never quite erase from my mind, and it sent shivers down my spine every time I caught a glimpse of it. I often found myself questioning her sense of boundaries and social norms. It was clear that she operated on a different wavelength, and her behavior from cat napping to baseless accusations and early morning gardening attire, left an indelible mark in my memory. To this day, she remains the benchmark for the most peculiar and creepy neighbor I've ever had the misfortune of living next to.